Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, Practical Buddhism for the Modern World. Each week I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hi, welcome to episode 27 of the Toward Light podcast. This week I want to talk about the importance of death reflection in our Buddhist practice. Seeing that our life is impermanent can allow us to live with more presence and purpose. The story about the Buddha's spiritual seeking is that he was quite sheltered and one day he decided to leave his sheltered dwelling and went out and saw a person who was sick, a person who was aging, a corpse, and finally a spiritual seeker. And in seeing these, it woke him up to the reality of life and it made him want to go and understand life outside of the cloistered, protected environment that he was living in. If you're resistant to this topic, which many of us are at different times, that's fine. There are a few reasons for that. Sometimes death meditation feels too close to home. Either we've just been ill or someone we care about has been ill or died or we have some grief around death. That might be one reason why it's difficult for us to be with this topic. Another reason this is difficult is because we're wired to survive, and so we're wired actually not to look at death. And the other piece is that the three poisons get in the way of us seeing death. Greed gets in the way because we have an attachment to life or an attachment to how we want life to be. Aversion gets in the way because we have a fear of death. There's this beautiful book by Stephen Levine called Unattended Sorrow about all the different grief and loss that we're dealing with all the time and how we don't always tend to it. There's a chapter titled Every Day We Lose Something, but we're often so afraid of death that we don't see that, that we shut down. And the third poison of delusion is we ignore. We ignore the reality of death. We have a lot of cultural messaging around in this culture, in the United States, of youth is important and we end up putting our elderly loved ones away, putting them in nursing homes, taking them out of the home, not caring for them. So we we have this sort of messaging that death is somehow not okay or not something we can talk about or be with. So we delude ourselves and we ignore it. One of my friends and teachers, Mary Stan Cabbage, says, death is not a punishment for having lived poorly, right? We all die, but we get a message somehow in this culture that we're supposed to cheat it or evade it or something. That's that's delusion. The importance of seeing and understanding death is talked about throughout the teachings. Two places where it's found is in the first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. There is reflection on death and corpse meditation, and sometime I might talk specifically about those practices. And then there's a teaching called the Five Daily Reflections, five things that we're recommended to reflect on each day, and one of them is that we are of the nature to die. We have not gone beyond death. So there are different ways to do this work, to do this practice of death reflection. Several years ago, I was in a training, and I spent three months very focused on this topic and read a bunch of books and did a bunch of different practices. And the practice that I'm going to share today 
for whatever reason, felt just super accessible to me. And so I hope it might feel that way to you. I'm going to share these nine reflections by from the Indian Buddhist sage Atisha. And these are written about in Larry Rosenberg's beautiful book, Living in the Light of Death, which I highly recommend. And these nine reflections, I ended up repeating them, but I also ended up having them hanging around the house a bunch so I could see them as I was doing different things to really remind me of these truths. And again, looking at death is against our neurobiological conditioning. Our body, our mind is wired to look at survival. So to make this choice to turn towards death, it's just like mindfulness where it's it can be hard to remember to do it, right? Or it's against the conditioning of our mind and our body. So it's why I like having a phrase practice and I can either repeat all nine of these or just one of them. Or I can have them hanging up. So I'm going to go through the phases one by one and share my thoughts or reflections. But these are really quite personal. And so I recommend you seeing which ones resonate with you or how you are thinking about them. And you might find one that really seems to stick in your mind and, and then live with that one for a bit. I will link to the list of the nine in the show notes, of course. The first reflection is everyone must die. There's the joke about the Buddhist corner where he gets fired because for every person's cause of death, he writes birth. As soon as we take birth, we are bound to die. It's as simple as that. Death is inevitable even though we are trying to resist it. One way that I have worked with this phrase throughout the years is when I'm walking and I'm looking at people or animals to remember that each one of us is going to die sometimes can help me access compassion. Another thing that I try and do is to not turn away from dead things that I see, whether it's roadkill or even a dying plant, just looking at the reality of death. The second phrase, the remainder of your lifespan is decreasing continually. This one has been very important to me because it reminds me if I have limited time, what am I going to do with that time? Where am I going to place my energy? This is not to bring impatience, but to honor the preciousness of life and to cultivate this quality of some vega, which is spiritual urgency. If my lifespan is continually decreasing, then there's some urgency in my heart, in my practice. Sometimes we can hear this one and say, oh, well, then I want to do all these fun things. And the reality is that we still have to live our lives. Even if the remainder of our lifespan is decreasing, we still need to wash the dishes, brush our teeth. But if I'm having to do those tasks and I know that I don't have all the time in the world, I'm going to try and do that task from a place of presence and patience and love. I'm not going to fight against it. I'm not going to waste my precious moments of my life being angry that I have to do the dishes. It's not useful. So the remainder of your lifespan is decreasing continually really helps me to bring presence into everything that I do. The third phrase Death will come whether or not we have made time to practice the Dharma. If death is inevitable, which it is, then I want all the tools possible to help me live a good life and to have a good death. 
And this practice can support me in that. The Dharma can help me have a more peaceful life, a more peaceful death. That sounds beautiful and useful, and I would like that. The example that's coming to mind for me is an episode from a TV show several years ago where somebody is dying and they know it and their partner is there and the partner is quite angry and he says to the woman, why aren't you angry? And she says, I don't want my last moments to be filled with anger. I want them to be full of love. And the Dharma points us towards a life full of love full of metta, full of peace. And that sounds like a beautiful quality to have at death, so it feels important to practice. The fourth phrase, human life expectancy is uncertain. I don't know how long I will live, so I want to make sure that I'm saying I love you to people who I love, connecting with people, taking care of myself, taking care of others. It's important to remember this so we're not so surprised about death. There's a story in the teachings, the mustard seed story of a woman's child dies and she goes to the priest in her town and says, please, you know, bring my baby back. And the priest says, well, if you can bring me a mustard seed from a home that hasn't been touched by death, then I will do that for you. And of course, she goes from home to home and everyone's had someone to die. So when I know that my life expectancy is uncertain, it brings a lens of urgency to what I'm spending my time with, how I'm spending my time, what I'm doing. It can help me catch patterns because I can start to question, oh, is this really what I want to be doing in this moment? Or is this just habitual? Is this just something I always do? The fifth phrase, there are many causes of death. It's important not to get stuck in the what-ifs and to just know that it's unpredictable how we and our loved ones may die. We can't plan it. I have a habit on silent retreat of doing some catastrophic thinking, and I was on a retreat at Cloud Mountain, and the yoga studio there is a little precarious, and the wind was really crazy, and the trees were whipping everywhere, and I got really detailed about this you know, freak accident that was going to happen in the yoga room with the trees and I was going to crash down and die. And able to see that it's just the mind trying to protect me. It's just the mind trying to keep me safe in all these different ways. When our minds start to go around how we might die or how loved ones might die, really important to bring it back and to see, oh, that's just the mind just trying to take care of me. But there are many causes of death. It's unpredictable. I don't know. Come back to not knowing, to surrendering to the not knowing. The next phrase. The human body is very fragile. We have to take care of the body, of course. And we can't 100% protect it. It is fragile. We don't know. We'll hear about a really healthy person who all of a sudden has an aneurysm and say, oh, wow, but they were such a big runner and they ate so healthy. And those things are important. It is important to care for our bodies. And that doesn't control anything around death. There are some studies that show maybe it'll be some longevity. But at the end of the day, we all die. This body is fragile. We must care for it, but not be overly attached to it. The next phrase, our wealth cannot help us. 
There is no amount of wealth or possessions that will exempt us from death. Towards the end of life, there's sort of a breathing pattern that happens for many folks. And it doesn't matter if you're in a cushy hospital bed at home with round-the-clock hospice care or if you are in the county hospital. It's the same pattern. The same thing is going to happen. Our wealth cannot stop death. The next phrase, our loved ones cannot help. There's no amount of love or connection that will exempt us from death. Even if we're surrounded by loved ones at the moment of our death, we still die alone. We still can't stop it from happening. So again, important to be connected, important to love and care, have compassion and kindness, be a part of communities and relationships, and we will still die. The final phrase, our own body cannot help. We can't exercise our way out of death or eat our way out of death or we just can't control it. Our body will die. The body breaks down. Can you see how these reflections may be useful? Did any of them stick out for you? Can you see why reminding ourselves of death is important? From her beautiful book, Notes for the Everlost, A Field Guide to Grief, Kate Inglis says, We are the only animals who know death will take us from each other, yet we are the only ones who are shocked when it happens. So to lessen that shock, we need to face it. We need to face the truth. We're not going to be here forever. Again, not to lead us into a place of despair or depression or impatience, but to lead us to a place of commitment and spiritual urgency, the samvegas. Yes, let's, let's go. Let's do this. Let's live the life I want. Let's live the life we want. Let's come from a place of kindness. Let's make sure that we are aligning our hearts and our minds and our bodies. By clearly seeing the truth of death, we can let go of any surprise and meet life as it is. And if you find yourself stirred up after this talk, if it has been upsetting in some way, to really tend to yourself, to notice that, and to see if there are ways that you can allow yourself to settle with that discomfort for a bit. I'm going to just repeat the phrases one last time altogether. Everyone must die. The remainder of your lifespan is decreasing continually. Death will come whether or not we have made time to practice the Dharma. Human life expectancy is uncertain. There are many causes of death. The human body is very fragile. Our wealth cannot help us. Our loved ones cannot help. Our own body cannot help. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.